Hi, I'm Billy. And this is Joe. And we're Now in Cinemascope, Cinemascope. your one-stop shop for in-depth film discussion and debate. Each week we take a different film, person or subject and explore them until the credits roll. This week we are discussing the Rocky Horror Picture Show, its influences, its legacy and also its semi-okay, maybe brilliant sequel, Shock Treatment. So, what are we waiting for? Cue music, roll titles, lights, camera Camera and and action. action! So, Billy, this is a topic close to our, our hearts this week. I mean, they always are, but this is it's exceptionally special as you have a very soft spot, very big soft spot for Rocky Horror Picture Show and also its sequel, Shock Treatment. Mm. Whereas, now, whereas I think you only have a soft spot for Rocky Horror. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get on to that later. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to kind of bring up initially um, and the question that I think is quite pertinent to ask you is obviously with recently the greatest showman being such a huge success and such a popular thing but at the same time being rather critically derided um, and very famously critically derided was also Rocky Horror Picture Show which again didn't get that many good reviews when it started the tr- the sequel even less so mm-hmm. but have also both the first more so than the second been hugely popular I wondered um, why you think that is the reason, because obviously you can. I think we can pull a a point from the Rocky Horror Picture Show to the Greatest Showman with like Rocky Horror Picture Show was the first thing to bring in sing-alongs and dress-alongs and that audience participation, which now has become a big thing, like with when they reshow films like Grease and The Sound of Music mm, or Showgirls, yeah, or even Showgirls. That it kind of cre- it was that first cult thing, and I think it's now. I wouldn't say The Greatest Showman is a cult thing, it's more of a popular thing, but you can see very much so that even though it's had that critical derision, people are already doing sing-alongs and dress-alongs and participation in a very similar way to Rocky Horror. That began very quickly with it. So why do you think that is with the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Feel free to go into a wider context, if you like, or just Richard O'Brien. Well, I'll, I'll open straight away with saying that, like, uh, Greatest Showman. It's not. It's it's so widespread a thing now. It's not mm. even um, you know isolated to Greatest Showman. I mean, like Bohemian Rhapsody mm. was had a huge number of sing along, um, you know, screenings where people would you know go along and you know shout out the lines and sing the songs with um, Rami Malek. Um, mm. um, I think what's interesting that because Rock, Rocky really Rocky Horror really was maybe the first that really became that kind of phenomenon because, and it's interesting because the film did flop because it was originally a stage musical, yes. just Rocky Horror Show. And then, you know, they, they took they took the actors, most of the actors, Tim Curry and Patricia Quinn, and they, they went and made the movie. Jim Sharman directed it. And then, you know, it flopped. It did, it did really badly because, mm. you know, I mean, my, my thing is like, how do you market a film like that? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah, any of these films that have that are classically flopped and then become cult classics, you kind of, in, in the benefit of hindsight, it's kind of like, yeah, how could they have been anything happen i mean because everyone wants them to succeed but then like you know they're, they're just so strange and swift mm. and weird that they just they can't help but kind of flop and then develop that audience even with time. meatloaf even with meatloaf um well even with tim bloody curry amazing <laughs> you know and i was thinking about this yesterday i don't think anybody you know nobody can touch it's like you know um jack nicholson in cuckoo's nest or travis pickle robert de niro nobody mm. can touch frankenfurter after tim curry no. um and but then, yeah, so Rocky Horror was a big was a flop. But then, you know, it, its first audience, its prime audience, it was in midnight movie screenings in New York. You know, mm. people of that scene, you know, people who you know 
you dressed up in drag, just didn't do it for the movie. You just did yes. it. It was part of that scene before the movie. The the scene that the film is kind of celebrating initially, in New, especially localized in New York, in the village, would go along to those screenings, mm. and they made it. The thing they were the first audience that began to make it the phenomenon which it yes. was. I mean, like you know, and it's and it is a you know that particular scene in New York, you know, in the seventies and sixties, you know, the the drag scene, the underground scene. Mm which, you know, Lou Reed and, you know, celebrated in songs like Walk on the Wild Side and Andy yes. Warhol made films about and, and you know, brought into his factory, which, which is a scene that I'm really fascinated mm. by. Um, they, you know, it was, uh, that that is the scene that was very much celebrated in the in the Rocky Horror Show. I yes. mean, like uh, Tim Curry's performance as Frankenfurter in the stage show, he initially played it not of the uh, the British accent, the Queenie accent, but rather with a, a New York American sort of Queen accent. Mm. Uh, and then they for the movie they were like you need to make it sound as if it's like you're the queen you're yes. like the, the royal queen and then it became the classic you know Frankenfurter performance um, <laughs> that's astounding no that's uh, <laughs> that's my Richard O'Brien impression I can't really it's do Tim Curry it's astounding time um, is fleeting yeah time is fleeting we've got 40 minutes um, <laughs> so I think yeah so that's interesting to talk about what the audience was because I mean I mm. think if you were south of the bible belt you know you burned at the stake for going to a rocky horror <laughs> uh, screening you know like you know imagine just how time really is fleeting <laughs> how you know strange that would be to go to rocky horror in sort of you know I don't know Mississippi in the 70s or whatever I mean I don't know about that but heard it was controversial mm. um, and then you know I think as and now Rocky Horror is like, it started out in those very sort of, not I wouldn't call it CD, but those very sort of outsider roots, yes. that scene, that sort of strange scene that, that not a lot of people cared about at the time. You know, Rocky Horror was so groundbreaking to a lot of people because it brought those really sort of esoteric, strange ideas about dress, about sexuality, and mm. brought them into the light. And really, and with, with colour and joie de vivre and music and dance, and it, it really was quite, but it was still and shocking. And a step to the left. And a step to the left and then a step to the right. You know, it was really that, it was quite a shocking, it was shocking back in time mm. i'm sure it was and it still has that that edge to it yeah and um it feels like uh, almost like i know it's not punk as such but it feels like one of the first punk movies it feels like mm. without rocky horror and i could be completely wrong with this but i feel like i always think that rocky horror kind of paved the way for something like alex cox's films Sure. Oh, yeah. That that sort of that stripped down. I mean, like just look at aesthetically, it's mm. totally punk. I mean, look at the fishnets, the torn fishnets, the makeup. I mean, punks. The appeal of punk was, you know, here's one chord, here's another chord, here's another chord. Now form a band. Yeah. Actually, like, <laughs> you, you know, Sid Vicious was was famous. He could ne not play bass, Sid Vicious, but you no. didn't have to play bass. It was like a magical time where being weird and, and uncool became cool. Yeah. And it was like, and Rocky Horror is like the perfect blueprint for that. Of mm. like, you know, this is what. You know, it was uh, outsiders were becoming accepted and celebrated, and thus was created films like you know Repo Man, Sid and yeah. Nancy, but also more specifically, Rocky Horror became the massive phenomenon that it is because the ideas that it was talked about, which were really sort of you know really kind of you know esoteric ideas that weren't set up, talked about and celebrated mm. or seen much by mainstream culture, pop culture, were brought into the mainstream, and now it is like I would say Rocky Horror is the definitive cult movie yes, of all time. I think that I think it's invented the, the, cult, the cult, cult word cult, it seems. Yeah, because it really is a cult. And I think now we are, it's, it's almost not cool to like Rocky Horror anymore because everybody likes it. It's that, mm. it's become that kind of thing. It's been absorbed into the mainstream. So thoroughly. I mean, it, not saying it's lost any of its quality. No, I'd it, still say, I think it's, uh, I'd say whilst it has been absorbed into the mainstream and everyone knows it, I do think it is a little, like, it is interesting. It is a, still a polarising film, I think. There's people who either get on board of it I don't think it's something like The Greatest Showman where I've not really, like, people, people as much as they might be against it or might not like it as such, they don't hate it. 
Sure. Does that make sense? They can still watch it's watchable whereas rocky horror if you hate it you really don't get on with it like yeah you'd have to really not agree with it to not like rocky yeah horror. I, mean, I think it's also comparing the greatest sherman and rocky i mean rocky horror i mean rocky horror for me like it's it, not only is it like you know groundbreaking aesthetically and sexually mm. and all that stuff but musically it's brilliant i mean richard o'brien is one of the great songwriters of his time you know like mm. he he could knock out a simple tune which would be the envy <laughs> but, but that that would be yes he, one of his simple tunes would be the envy of like, I mean, Time Warp, you know, there's not that much going on in Time Warp. It's not the most complex song on the soundtrack, no. but it, and it was knocked out because they, it was, it was one of the last minute additions because they wanted, they, they wanted to sort of do a dance number, which was sort of reference uh, Goddard's A Band Apart, A Band of Outsiders, yeah. where they do that, the Charleston. And I was like, we've got to do our own version of that. So they just knocked out Time Warp. And they wanted to and like, steal from like the locomotion, those other like dance exactly. things where, so it's kind of almost meant to be simple. It's meant to be, it's quite funny that it's now become the thing that you have at weddings even though it's supposed to take the mick out of that's that sort of dance, yeah dance yeah that formal formulaic kind of thing um and but and whereas greatest showman i don't know if it's i think it's definitely beloved and people have really enjoyed it and there have been those, mm. loads of those screenings sing-along screenings but unpopular I, opinion i can't stand it but <laughs> yeah well i think i think uh, i haven't actually seen it but just from what i know of it i think there are big problems with that film i mean not just in mm. terms of the music but in terms of the actual not uh, i'm talking about where it's coming from in terms of celebrating the, the character of, of Hugh Jackman's character. Well, I think it's a, I it, think my, yeah, uh, it's, that's a major problem of the factual problems it takes, whereas Rocky Horror doesn't have it, that. Yeah, so because Rocky Horror, it doesn't, it doesn't have that in its equation. It's a pure creation. Mm. But the main thing but, for me, I find, is that it's, its idea is it changes this story of a man who very much is Yeah, he was, he's a troublesome. Pr- pretty reptilian very, as far as history paints him like yeah, yeah he, ab- he was a user and an abuser of people who you know were people outcasts. animals yeah. yeah and to then change that into a film celebrating outcasts seems very false as compared to exactly rocky horror where it, it the, the outcasts are loud and proud yeah. yeah even if like they do some morally bad things like you look at riff raff and magenta they're not exactly yeah. uh, like or, morally or upright or citizens r.i.p R- R- meatloaf yeah. <laughs> yeah frankenfurt you know getting an ice pick yeah <laughs> But yeah, it's it's. I think, but it doesn't it doesn't shy away from that. It doesn't try to be anything else. It's not like mm. I think they just. It, Rocky Horror always when I watch it comes across to me like they made a film for themselves. Exactly, it's un- it's unapologetic in its portrayal of itself, its depiction. It, it mm. just is. This is this is me, literally. Like, you know, this <laughs> is me. still great, and, like, yeah. And, and it does that with joy and aplomb because, which goes back again to like what Rocky Horror was celebrating. Mm. Because a lot of you know the 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 classic, I suppose, what what has is now seen by a lot of people as like the classic transvestite persona, mm. which is the the drag queen. You know, very flamboyant, lots of hair, makeup, dress. Mm. You know, ex- ex- elaborate. Um, flamboyant clothes yeah it was a way of overcoming it was a confidence thing because you know nowadays i think the 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 um the the playing field has changed and now you know the culture now is uh much more you can just be yourself yeah and if what if who you are on the inside is is not it's feminine not masculine and that's fine or if it's the way around mm. you, you don't have to but back then i think the confidence thing was it was a, the main barrier because you know people who were who've opted i mean it wasn't that old idea in the 70s that if you were homosexual you were choosing a life of of an outcast and it was yes. your fault you was it was the wrong decision and people would say look i hope you know that you're going to be on your own for the rest of your life which is a horrible thing mm. to have to come to grips with and so people's reaction the, the way to combat that was to be as out there and be as flamboyant yeah. and as energetic as possible with with the outfits and everything this bounces off me exactly i don't care you know this is me and rocky horror 
was kind of the thing that was like, yeah, this that is, you know, Richard O'Brien himself has said that, you know, glam rock and that kind of scene was what mm. helped him overcome his confidence issues and helped him write Rocky yes. Horror and, and it took off. So, yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the start of this point was, but like, <laughs> well, it's talking about sort of critical derision and why it's been so popular, mm. um, and then sort of which you kind of put across there that I think it, it, it initially the reason why it was cult because it it marketed itself, it it was so unapologetic that it hit an audience who weren't being represented on screen, yeah, exactly, yeah. and it hit a group of sort of especially in the village as you talk about, like it it hit that zeitgeist at the right time mm. of what was going on in culture of like this is like with Lou Reed you know, Bowie yeah. and like T-Rex all and, that was yeah. all at the same time and it's it, it hit the it was the right it'd be interesting to see Rocky Horror if it was made in the 90s I think mm. whether it would have been the same flown I, like, I think yeah. it would have been still a cult movie and still enjoyed but I don't think it would have been as popular because I think it came at the right time where it was on the it was the first of its kind on it, on its forefront. It was riding the wave of that zeitgeist, partly. Yeah, and part of that zeitgeist. Yeah. yeah, part of that era, that that kind the, of the opening up of the yeah, of, of where, sexuality and yeah, music where everything music. started to progress more, and it was on the wave of that. Well, this is interesting because like to the com- the idea of what, whatever Rocky would have worked in the nineties because. One of the things we want to talk about is shock treatment. The not a sequel, not a prequel, but an equal, as they called it, yeah. to um, Rocky. And um, I mean that came out in eighty one, yes, early eighties. But it's it's very much an eighties film, eighties film. And that's just that's in terms of you know what would Rocky look like in another decade. Mm. I think shock treatment's a really interesting answer to that mm. because I know we're talking about Rocky here, but um, just to bring up shock treatment, <laughs> I know we are going <laughs> yeah, to talk about say- it. You just, you're I really just want to itching, talk about it. just like you know, the, I, the sweat is coming down. You, <laughs> you know, it's like that. That it's is, no happy feet too. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, it's no happy feet too at all. Um, you know, shot treatment. You know, it features a lot of the same cast, virtually the, exactly the same production crew, same director, same writer, and it's the same team. But it is such a different story, and it. But it is identifiably Richard O'Brien's work in the same DNA. It's got the same DNA as Rocky and that sort of that humour, that music, that that sort of liking of 50s mm. rockabilly kind of tunes and costume, costumes, flamboyancy, colour. Mm. And yet it's completely different because it's yeah. a different time and it's a different story and it's different characters and everything. But like, it's an interesting, you know, to compare, it's very interesting to compare. The yeah. Because one's much more difficult to like uh, shot treatment. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> but because we'll it's, speak but, of that later. But I don't think that's, that's the fault. I'm saying that that, that mm. is what the film, because both films were not being, were not apologising for being what they were. But no. Rocky Horror is just a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. You know, where shot treatment is playing a very different game. And yes. I think, and I personally think a, a, more, a more interesting game. But we'll, we'll get onto that a little bit later. Yeah. Well, very soon, in fact. I just want to ask you a quick couple of questions to kind of mm-hmm. gather your opinions. Um, again, sort of in a, a BuzzFeed style of like, which <laughs> which uh, Rocky Horror character are you? Okay. The Rorschach test. But are you um, a jump to the left or a step to the right? Uh, jump to the left. Do you have your hands on your hips or do you bring your knees in tight? Uh, hands on the hips. Do you give a pelvic thrust or get driven insane? <laughs> the second one, I can't say it. <laughs> so shall we do the time warp again? <laughs> yes, every single time. Well, I think you'd fit in very nicely. <laughs> in the Transylvanian convention. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not you're, you have more of a Brad and Janet figure 
appearing or you're already there. And I feel like no, I'm more of a Christopher Biggins kind of like you know <laughs> a guy just in the background there having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows it's me. I'm just doing my thing. Just very happy. <laughs> so we'll get to the the crux of what you've been itching to to say. Shock treatment, you think, is not necessarily a better film, but like as good, at least as Rocky Horror. Well, it certainly is valid, despite the fact, despite what a lot of people, a lot of fans of mm. Rocky, i.e., you, uh, yeah. say. Um, despite what anything you have to say, it is valid. Um, well, <laughs> that, that's a precursor of like, you're wrong. Uh, anything <laughs> Joe says in the next 10 to 15 minutes, it's just like ignoring falsehoods and lies. Yeah. I mean, I'm currently sat on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones reference. Um, to be honest, I um, this is this is this is interesting because, and I think I may be the only person in the world who might ever say this, but I came to shock treatment before I came to Rocky Horror. <sighs> I saw shock treatment first, Ooh. which is just like I remember, like when I did that, and everyone, and like and how how did you do? It sounds I know but were you young. You were just like looking in the DVD store. And you, you saw the picture and you're like, oh, I'll have that. And then you realise, oh my God, there's a whole other film. Or was it a case of you were sneaking down during sleepovers and like everyone else is like, oh, well, let's put on like The Purge 4. And you're just like, got this bootleg VHS, <laughs> which you've nicked from your parents of shock treatment. Nothing so cool. I think for me, it was... Did it you go into a cursed log cabin and there was like different objects and you had to pick <laughs> one up and you picked up shock treatment and then since then you've been like possessed Living by... Living the shock treatment life. Yeah. I, I wish. <laughs> Basically what it was is that... Possessed was, by meatloaf. Well, it was, it was, um, it was because of, you know, our mutual, you know, well, my hero, our mutual hero, I think Mark Commode. Because he did, you know, the Komodo and Cup blog, which he did, which he stopped last year. It was it, over ten years. He did loads of blogs, and one of them was about he was he he was about shock treatment, and he he was saying. I remember watching this completely on the offhand, just mm. clicking on it, and then the and the the top of the video was him saying, you know, look, I, somebody asked me to come up with the def definition of a cult movie, and I said Rocky Horror Picture Show, but mm. then he says, what about shock treatment though? Which he's a huge, which incidentally Komodo is a huge fan of. He loves shock treatment. And uh, and I re watched this blog, and he was just, he was just talking about how you know good the music is, and how good how smart it is, and how much of a, a satire it is. And mm. I was just like, oh okay. And then um and he and you know it was his recommendation, and I just thought okay. So so I remember liking the video on my YouTube channel, and then like forgetting about it. I was yeah. like, oh, I was, seven it's years like, later. <laughs> it's almost like you know putting it on the watch list. So oh, I'll watch that if I get a chance. Mm. And then cut to like two years later, and Arrow Video are bringing out the Blu-ray of Shot True. Of course. And um, they did an amazing job of it, and that's the copy I own. And basically, they put the trailer, they remastered the original trailer, mm. um, and they put it on YouTube. And I remember scrolling, no Facebook. I remember scrolling through Facebook and happening upon the trailer and watching it. And I mean, it is. I mean, and, and just and watching that trailer over. I remember just all I remember yes. was that night. I, I think I watched it at 10 p.m. I watched it over and over and over again that trailer because it's a brilliant trailer. It's basically just the the title track, and uh, I watched it. A good like you know three, three or four dozen times mm. over the course of like that rest of that evening i was so you know the music was just so yeah you know, it was like it was it's one of the greatest trailers i've ever seen yes and i just remember watching that trailer and being absolutely blown away by it because it's not much you know it's you know this sounds just whatever I'm saying, go <laughs> it's not much it's not, there's not much going on in it but check out the trailer it's brilliant and i was thinking we're thinking i've got to watch this movie mm. and um and and so i bought the blu-ray of it and um, I even, because I subscribe to the um, Starburst um, yes. sort of journalist circle, uh, they were sending out Ooh. emails about... Name drop. <laughs> they, they, were, they were sending out emails about um, interviews shot with a shot treatment for the Blu-ray mm. release with Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta yes. and is a 
big cat is if for sizable character in shock treatment and i was just thinking i hadn't seen shock treatment by this point but i just remember thinking i want to be i i I'd heard so much about it i was like i want to interview her mm. and actually i did get the interview but well i was offered it and then i i two things happened one i realized that the interview would have to take place at a certain time when i would be walking to work <laughs> and i didn't really want to interview me gents on the way to work yeah just i've just got to get on the 52 like. <laughs> <laughs> oh darling don't matter it's fine uh and um and also the fact that i hadn't seen either rocky horror or shot that point. might have been a slight issue. The, the bigger one and i was just like yeah she's so your character's called crimson <laughs> <laughs> exactly so like i didn't go through with it which I'm, i think was a good move and also you know from what I know of Patricia Quinn, I think she would have probably eaten me alive in that interview. Yes. But but basically, <laughs> that, that's not important. The point is, like I, so I saw, I got the Blu-ray and I watched Shock Treatment, and I was just completely, just like, yeah, okay, like uh, an injection straight into the vein of like, what is this, and what, I want more. Exactly, kind of was like, well, the main thing was, what is this? Because there's what is this? there's so much going on in that film, it's kind of hard to begin. I mean. I mean, the first things first, the music, like the music mm. is, I think it's Richard O'Brien's best work. I think it, I, I would hold it be- higher than Rocky Horror. I, I listen to it more than the Rocky Horror soundtrack. I'm just going to stay quiet for a bit longer yeah, <laughs> and just, just formulate my anger. That's fine. Uh, build your response. I mean, for me, like, it's just, it's it's a brilliant, because what it is about shot treatment is that it's a brilliant satire of what was then game show television or re- American reality TV, which was basically mm. just a, a, a gleam in the eye of, you know, whichever executive was in charge of, you know, American, you know, t- Big Brother basically. And um, it was, and and it's just such a prescient movie. I can't, I can't quite explain it. Basically, I watch, <laughs> yeah. but, but basically it's such a strange film and I watched it. I it's a mood movie. more than a, what it, what it creates for you, which some of the best cinema does is it creates a mood and uh an atmosphere that you really want to get on board with rather than say something else mm. yeah well but yeah i came to, so and shot treatment so i came to that first and then i watched rocky horror mm. and i mean i love both but i would you know i have more affection in my heart for shot treatment part, uh, partly for i think empirical reasons i think it's a I, I mean, I haven't really gone into the much reasons, but I think it's a. It's, in some ways, it's a smarter film. Well, I suppose it's in the similar way to like I think Back to the Future Part Two is better than the first. Oh, okay, that, that is a hot take. But that, that's, that's wrong. But. but well, I think it's that, and I was going to say before I get attacked <laughs> <laughs> is the um, is that that's because I came to that one first. Right, yeah. I saw that one first before I saw, I saw Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 together and then watched the first one. Mm. So like, I've got a focus, like a love for Back to the Future Part 2 because my mind was like, oh my God, because that was like my, in like my opening to 80s movies and sure. time travel movies and mm. all this other stuff that I've since gone to kind of become a little bit obsessed by. Mm. So yeah, I, I completely see where you're coming from because it was your first one it's a greater place in your heart i think my problem is with it i feel very much because you do have problems with it you do have yeah. like, civic problems with shot treatment i remember you when we were first became friends and i was saying we were talking about rocky yeah. Horror. i think one of the first things we talked about when we were became friends was rocky horror and our fondness for it and mm. then i was saying shot treatments better. yeah <laughs> and, and I, then you were you I backhanded you across <laughs> the a, workplace a serious coldness yeah, uh, hot, you know, descended, over and uh, the we've never been the same since. Uh, no, <laughs> no. no, definitely not. Um, and now is our chance to exercise <laughs> yeah, some of our. This uh, is just group stuff. therapy. This is all it is. <laughs> it's not a podcast anymore. It's just like who gets the kids on the weekend. <laughs> um, 
I <laughs> what we don't know is that we're the kids in Richard O'Brien's the father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have weekends. Much more fun. Um I think my problem is with shock treatment is that it does feel quite a bit like catching lightning in a bottle. Mm. Trying to repeat something. That I think only worked the first time because it's so unrepeatable. Mm. And because of the other reasons we said, like yeah. the zeitgeist and stuff, it was right. It was along at the same time as And I stuff. just think that sometimes you capture you capture lightning in a bottle. Like, it, this is going to be a, such a weird comparison. Mm. Magic Mike. Oh, no, yeah, no, I understand. No, definitely, that makes sense. Like, I that, really like Magic Mike for certain reasons. <laughs> yeah, of course, for clear, obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, like, as a story and the way that they make it work where it could have gone down very much a showgirl's route and be very exploitative, it actually takes time with these characters and looks at it. And it almost, always, I think, Magic Mike reminds me a little bit of almost like Goodfellas mm, or for bo- strippers. Or Boogie Nights. Yeah. Strip- yeah, exactly. Like, um... And then you watch the sequel, and of course the sequel is a bit completely different to say like something like Rocky Horror and Shock Treatment because it was done arguably with more of a financial perspective in mind, cash grab kind of thing, yeah. So it is, but at the same time, like you can see that they are trying to keep they they do this whole boys getting on the back of the getting the gang back together style mm-hmm. trope, mm-hmm. and they do it with the idea of kind of almost trying to look at the psychological effects of. Channing Tatum's character actually missing stripping yeah missing the environment and missing kind of it's almost like it feels like the end of Goodfellas a little bit like he misses the life yeah like I'm a schmuck now (laughs) yeah yeah, the rest of my life is a non-stripper yeah (laughs) Channing Tatum ordered um I ordered uh, was it spaghetti with marinara sauce and I got egg noodles and ketchup yeah yeah um but I always think shock treatment's a bit like that, that it kind of tries to capture what... I think throwing around sequel, equal, whatever you want to call it, I think... Mm. I know it wasn't a cash grab, it was Richard O'Brien, what he wanted to do, but I, I don't know, it just feels like all the elements are there. They just don't work as well. Yeah, it's I'm, the uncanny valley, sure, almost. I'm, of I can see what they're trying to go for, and I want to get involved. And like each time there's a moment or a melody... My heart's like, oh, mm. oh. I, well, I think it, well, it, it, I'm, it, I'm conscious of the fact that um, a lot of people who are listening probably have never seen Shot Treatment because it's one of those films that really was buried for a long, long yeah. time. And it really is only re- with the release of Arrow's I Restoration mean, that people are, can w- finally watch it now properly. It's definitely, I'd say, like, I know I'm attacking it now, but i definitely say it's worth a watch. I think it's a film, seek out. Yeah, definitely. See yeah. it, formulate your own opinion on it. Mm. And like... It's nothing like nothing else that's been made. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's completely unique. I mean, to, just I'd to rather talk, that than go for like if they've done like yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Two. Yeah, which Frankfurt is Revenge. Yeah, which is that, which is what they initially were going to do, incidentally, but they decided not to do very very quickly because they thought that just wouldn't work. Yeah, they wanted to do something different. But just to talk briefly about you know what the film's about because and I, I'll keep it brief, but because I know a lot of people won't have <laughs> seen it, yeah. but because there's a lot spoilers. Going on, I don't yeah. want to spoil it. But basically, you know, it picks up where the second one, not where the first Rocky Horror left off, but it takes Brad and Janet, who are now played by two different actors. This is a which, again, why, which again that. was a reason why it flopped. Even the Rocky Horror fans didn't kind of caught, didn't like it. Because Susan Sarandon and Barry Boswick were like two, seen as the Brad and Janet. Whereas, and it, I think that Susan Sarandon sells 
Rocky. so much like that well this is the thing touch me touch she, me yeah well, is my favorite song in rocky horror because of well, her she, performance well her star power also has enabled rocky horror one thing's to enable it to live as mm. long as it has as with tim curry and it's funny because both tim curry and Susan surrounding do not feature in shot treatment at all yeah they're both not in it which is the reason why a lot of fans of rocky hated it um because what it's about is basically brad and janet the two characters because what Richard O'Brien always did was that he always saw them as more like less like a sequel but more like a Gulliver's Travels kind of thing where Gulliver each story with Gulliver is completely different but it's got Gulliver in yeah. it he's the he's the linking factor in Richard O'Brien's world Jack Brad and Janet are the linking factors between mm. the films but the films themselves the stories are completely different Brad and Janet are experiencing problems with their marriage right they're, they're, they've been married I wonder why <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah after Rocky Horror yeah, like. it, but you really want to commit to that, both of you? Exactly, <laughs> okay, exactly. good for you. But uh, they're having problems with their marriage, and basically they get they they go. It's set in Denton, Texas, which is where the, the Rocky Horror is. Set, you mm. know where they where their hometown yeah. is, and basically they go on this game show, this live game show, and they're sort of they they go in, in initially as the audience, but they get become dragged into it. They 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 ask for volunteers, and they volunteer. Mm. You know, Brad is not very happy about this because he's Brad. Janet is a bit more. Janet, yeah, a bit more. Yeah, Janet's <laughs> a bit more lively and a bit more energetic. That's the problem with them that they're having. And basically, they get dragged into this this reality TV show hosted by Barry Humphreys, his character. And basically, mm. um, they're not allowed to leave the TV show. They're manipulated by the producers, and everything that they do is broadcast around the world. So it's really like it's really and, and so pertinent. Film, it's very pertinent. It becomes satirical it's for, a, for a film from 1981. I mean, this was before King of Comedy. This was before like Network. Even, Network. This was well, it's after Network, but it was before King of oh, Comedy. It was after Network. Yeah. It was before Big Brother or The Truman Show. It was before any yeah. of those films which really Ed dug, TV. Ed, Don't forget Ed TV. <laughs> any of those films which really dug into like the psychology the psychopathy of what TV does to people, especially yes. in America. And so it was this film made by this British company, Richard O'Brien, Jim Sharman, mm. you know, and they made this film, which now, which at this time, I can see why not only was it abandoned by the fans of Rocky because it didn't have any of like Tim Curry in it, yeah. but also abandoned by the critics because it was, it's watching it even now is baffling mm. because the show is doing, the film is doing so many things and it's talking about so much mm. and satirizing so much that wasn't even around in 81 really in the format yeah. now. But whereas if you watch Rock Shot Treatment now, it looks absolutely pres prescient. But the problem is, and I do have problems with Shot Treatment, yeah. is that Shot Treatment is a complete yes. mess on a structure level. And to a certain degree, Rocky Horror as well. I mean, Edgar Wright famously said that the first half of Rocky Horror is brilliant, but after Frankie Furter and, um, and uh, what's the name of, uh, and Rocky tie mm. the knot, it, it completely goes off the rails. Yeah, I think, I think the, the, that's where a big problem I have is that the reason why Rocky Horror got past those structural problems is you have these clear, very, like, Frankenfurter sells mm. that second half. Yeah, Tim Curry like, does. Tim Curry's it. death scene, spoilers, but like... You've seen, it's 40 yeah. years. It's Tim, yeah, Tim Tim Curry's death scene, I still think is really poignant and emotional. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, he sells the hell out of that. And I think like without that in shock treatment, those, it's like we said in an earlier episode about Lynch, like how the atmosphere, when the atmosphere isn't there and the key components aren't there, the mm. characters become one note. And I think that's the problem with shock treatment, that because they're trying to do so much and they're trying to pull in different ways and it's not as simplistic as Rocky Horror no. and you haven't got as clear a like, grounding point a, as an anchor as a Tim Curry or even Susan Sarandon as Janet. Mm. like Because there's not that clear grounding point to allow all this craziness to happen around 
for you, for you as an audience member to grab on. I I find myself getting lost. Oh no, absolutely. And I it's, agree. it feels more like if if Rocky Horror is you driving a boat from A to B. I just feel adrift at sea with a beach ball and Tom Hanks floating <laughs> in and a shock treatment and some mascara as well. So Sure. I mean, I know I completely agree. I mean, Richard O'Brien for me, his greatest problem with Richard O'Brien, his biggest problem has always been structure. Mm. I mean, even going to Rocky Horror, which is, you know, a lot of, is, 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 you know, to yes. a lot of people, his, his magnum opus, it, it is a structurally odd film. Like it's hard to know what's going on always in the second half of Rocky Horror, whereas mm. the first half is very clearly signposted. Uh, and what sells it often is the actors and the music. Yes. Shock treatment, is I mean, owing not only just the fact that I think Richard Bryan struggles with structure, but the fact that if you look, if you dig into the backstory of them shooting shot treatment, it's so fraught with difficulty, yes. and the fact that they wanted to shoot in America but they couldn't because there was a strike on, so they had to move to a studio in Britain, which made a major choice because now they have to shoot in studios, which became a production values, production values, yeah. and that, and also now they shoot. In, it they, looks. No, no, it, cheap, I'm going to say. No, I, I disagree. I, the interesting thing about shot treatment, one of the really interesting things is that it, for a film that came out in 1981, not only is it so present on a thematic level, but on an aesthetic level, you can see so much that is fed into the works of Tim Burton and also, yes. you know, all those sort of great stylists of the 80s and 90s, like Barry Sonnenfeld, all like, those great mm. sort of like black comic stylists, like the, the heightened colours, the pastels, the Tim Burton's vision of suburbia. Mm. It all, I can see it all going to into shot, from shot treatment. I don't think it gels like Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror, like what shot treatment always reminds me of whenever I think about it. Uh, whereas Rocky Horror kind of, I think it doesn't ever look cheap, even though it is cheap, if that makes sense. Yeah. Shock treatment always reminds me of Video Killed the Radio Star, the Buggles music video, <laughs> which is a time capsule of like, it's an amazing song, one of my favorite songs, but it's a time capsule of just like someone doing a whole lot of cocaine in the 80s and going, <laughs> I want this and I want this and all right, they need this and like, Where's the tinfoil? Why haven't we got more tinfoil? Johnson, go. <laughs> like, sure, I mean... And that's what it always feels like to me with shot treatment. It feels tacky without it being fun tacky or, or, or reveling in that tackiness, reveling in that. I think that's my problem. Well, I, I personally disagree, but I mean, I mean I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that the film is a complete mess. It is like somebody took not so much mud, but took like multicolored paint and dye and plaster and threw it at a wall <laughs> and whatever stuck, they painted, you know, took a brush, painted it with. And what then did you bring to the class on. today, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, and, and, you know, but going, touching on what you said about emotions, how Rocky Horror, when Tim Curry is singing, I'm going home, it is, it is very poignant. Mm. Absolutely. I think... Rocky definitely has far more heart and soul than Shot Treatment, but Shot Treatment is, I think, an infinitely smarter film because it's 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 almost the thing of Shot Treatment is that it's almost too clever for its own good because mm. it's trying to do so much, and not only because of what it's actually trying to do as a film, but also because of the the conditions that the film was made under, which you know you'll have to dig into it. Yeah, but it's because um, there's not enough time to go into it all. But <laughs> I like, say it's, it's, it's an incredibly it's big, convoluted. Yeah story but like the fact that it's doing so much and not all of it works it's pulling in so many different directions but what brings it together like rocky horror uh the actors and the music it's always mm. the music and for me the that we need really what i really want to talk about here the crux of it is the music because shock treatment soundtrack i think as i said earlier is the best work richard o'brien ever did because rocky horror you have that overarching structure of like 50s science uh, 50s, fiction yeah kind of double like, feature kind of love ballads yeah. and like and like hot patootie bless my soul really love that rock and roll that kind of classic mm. vaults golden age rock yeah and that glam rock as well with sweet sweet yeah, sweet transvestite. Sweet, sweet transvestite yeah. Whereas with shock treatment, you get this 
utterly comprehensive kind of look, each look at like music. I mean, each song is completely different. Like a different, not only a different style, but a different sensibility. I mean, like the first song, you have an you have a, a television theme in there. You have a an anthem for a, a, a town. You have ska. You have mm. jazz. You have um, a, a duet between the two actors who are the same actor, but they're playing two different characters. Yeah. You have ballads. You have lullabies. You have at the same time all though, of this stuff, and they're so each one. I is can't so remember well a single song. Well, ask only because you've seen it once and not for years. <laughs> okay, you know, like, and also I, you don't like them. You don't like it, so you're not going to. Yeah, but I, t- I still. I, I listen. The point I is, can still remember the Greatest Showman soundtrack, and I've only seen that once, and I hated the films. <laughs> but you must have like listened to. That. Basically, my point is that I listen no? to. The, I, li- I, do, <laughs> I, I do listen to the music of Shot Troop, more than I listen to the music of Rocky Horror, and mm. that's just not me making that choice. I just listen to it more because I think it's better. And in fact, the um, the the head of the Rocky Horror fan club. Uh, mm. says, says the same he said he personally said he listens to the shock treatment soundtrack he holds it up higher than rocky horror and i agree i just think it's more polished more balanced and the songs they're just really great songs it's one of my okay. favorite soundtracks and that is really the thing i mean i almost like the soundtrack more than the film I think, yes and that is the key thing with musicals isn't it yeah i think it you if the soundtrack's not there then what's the point almost but i think yeah it's, it's one of those i think it's a very uh, even just talking about it now you can see obviously the diverse range of opinions on shock treatment but it's definitely worth just seeing anyway as it's such a divisive thing and it's like nothing else so final thing billy before we uh finish off this quite uh heated episode (laughs) about rocky horror and shock treatment i throw to you another gauntlet as always i think you should pitch to me a sequel the third film, or the equal, the third film in the Rocky Horror trilogy, Ooh. the uh, the Return of Frankenfurter, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> or something like I feel like it'd have like an electricity-based name. I feel like mm. Electric Dreams, even though that's been done already. But what what Electric Boogaloo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I would love for Richard O'Brien to do a third Rocky Horror film mm. because I think. I think it needs to happen because I feel like, you know, Rocky Horror is the one that everyone remembers. Nobody remembers Shock Treatment or outside of, you know, cult fans, Mm. you know, and I think he's a brilliant songwriter and like, you know, just a a creator in general. I think Mm. he needs to, I would love to see a third one. I mean, the third one, I think, you know, if we were doing this properly, if we were pitching this, I would Mm. think, you know, it would have to be, I would follow his basic principle, which is that it's like Gulliver's Travels. You have Brad and Janet and then everything else is different. Everything, all all change, you know. Yes. So you're, each story is different. So the first one is glam rock meets 50s since America. You know, mm. uh, shot treatment is, um, you know, reality TV satire. The third one would have to be something different as well. And I think it would have to be something like, that that would that would be current to now, which is funny because you know both Rocky and Shot Treatment are both kind of still you know very prescient in what yes. they're, they're doing, as we talked about before with the cult phenomenon and just with satirizing current events and mm. you know pop culture. So it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I always thought that what would be a really interesting idea to do would because obviously you've got to address the age issue mm. of everyone's yes. a bit older now. Yeah. So I always thought it would be interesting to go like a Bubba Hotep route. Oh yeah, and put Brad and Janet in a retirement home. So like they've had these travels, and like almost you you've caught up, and they can like make little mentions to the other places they've been mm. in their Gulliver's Travel style thing, and then they start to kind of recognise like almost, and it you could play on whether it's sort of um, whether it's their age and their faculties aren't as, as prescient, yeah, yeah, and fresh that they start seeing all the nurses and the carers in the home as characters 
from Rocky Horror. And shock treatment. And shock treatment. Because there are actual nurses in shock yeah. treatment. Yeah, and bring those in and like they, they then start like kind of, they break into song every now and then and it's like that would be interesting that. That, yeah because you could yeah you could, you could make it about you could give them you could give both characters dementia like mm. or the opening is them with dementia and then their faculties aren't there and yet so they're seeing things that aren't there mm. people that aren't there characters that we know like frank make the nurses yeah. frankie Furter, characters from rocky and shot treatment and then you know the op- yeah you could have so much music around yeah. that, those ideas that would be really interesting and then yeah, i think that would really fit into the sense of humor the, the dark ironic sense of the british sense of yes. humor about dementia and about how you know alan bennett did you know hallelujah the other yeah. year that kind of scene bit of gallows humor in there and i think as well like about death and about yeah. memory and about those things and you could even play off with like play it would i think it'd give scope with musical like musically mm. like they could be watching a tv show because you've all like if you uh, when you go to um a care home like they've always got the tv on in the background with things so you could have clips from shock treatment or they're watching like old like those um mm. music video channels where it shows music from the 80s so you can then use stuff like that where almost like it brings it back so it's mm. a way of getting past or they're watching science fiction double features and then yeah. you can have the song coming in via that so it could, it, little it, it, motifs and exactly you so, can it gets you past having to do the 2010s music which doesn't really have anything but be quite downbeat so you could mm. bring in all those elements because it's them remembering the, the past and bringing back yeah new versions of it mm. and so you can like almost have like it'd be amazing to like finish it off yeah with i'm going home with brad and janet oh that would be beautiful i mean i think also because the question is would the sequel be like a proper third standalone sequel or would it be would it be a film that ties up the other two films and I think mm. in terms of what we're talking about here is tying up the other two films because I think that would be beautiful beautiful yeah having all the characters even like you know Frankenfurter, all of them kind of come back in some way into this nursing home and it's about age it's about you know going home it's about all yeah. those things it's about coming you to can grips even with that play it almost like I'm thinking or basically I'm thinking like one flew over the cuckoo's nest yes with music like you could even have yes a sense of like they're trying to be convinced like people are trying to convince them oh this isn't real this is all mm. in your head and then you finish with like uh, a, a ship from planet transsexual yes come at the end and brad and janet get on it and do i'm going home and get on the ship and the ship lifts and, off and, and then we do one last time warp yeah and like and I mean, and you can have science fiction double feature almost done played on like like in a, a, a minor grand, key piano like piano, yeah, yeah just and it'd yeah. be just a really nice i think ending well it would also be like it'll be if it clearly it'll be about madness because and the, and mm. the other two are kind of about madness too i mean the first yeah. one i mean like the first one ends for uh, what what's something that's always bugged me about shot rocky horror is that like for such a for such an exuberant yes. musical it ends on an incredibly down note yeah like literally saying like life is pointless is basically the, what the yeah. storyteller says and shot treatment ends on an incredibly upbeat note which is interesting but they're both about some sort of psychopathy mm. and be interesting for the third one it is actual so like, you know they've, they're the characters are yeah. failing their, their faculties are failing and it'd be interesting to see like the last gasp almost of that kind mm. of thing but also a beautiful send-off to yeah. what has come before and what the characters mean to people and what and they are and it also allows you if you, if obviously the estates were willing to bring back in Charles Gray yeah and characters like actors and characters like that who've since passed on mm. and just like have them on the TV or something like that or mm. have their presences felt yeah have them, have them be there in some way which I think you would I think people would want and it would be great to see yeah it'd just be very a, a sweet ending 
which also allows you to do like it'd be amazing to have the image I always thought of is like they're in their like hospital gowns mm. and they pull them off and underneath they've got bright shiny tinfoil hospital gowns underneath mm. and like Brad's got tights underneath that and like and stuff, heels yeah. and stuff like that yeah and they go into that and yeah That'd be beautiful. And also a song called Medication Guns, like sung by Tim Kruger. Meta, 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 medication. <laughs> or Richard O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, that'd be incredible. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, what the song <laughs> would be. But that kind of reminds me of how like a Ferris Bueller sequel would be. Apparently they wanted to do like Fer Cameron in, in a nursing home and Ferris comes and breaks them out. So that kind of mm. like, it's a good idea for like where the end of a story is the la you know the, la the end of the road yeah the last house a logan-esque <laughs> version yeah. but with a lot more music and a lot more lipstick mm. which is what you always want <laughs> from, from richard o'brien so go check out shock treatment absolutely rewatch rocky horror and petition richard o'brien to greenlit our sequel because it needs to happen yeah <laughs> they need to make another one <laughs> do 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 well i've been billy and i've been joe and that was now, now in cinemascope, cinemascope. Tune in next time.